At the time, it was a $130 billion industry in manufacturing new commercial vehicles. Now it's 170. I mean, it's like the foundation of the American way too, you know? And it's like, how could that be that nobody could know? Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. Joining me today is Catherine Schifferly, founder and CEO of Work Truck Solutions, which she founded in 2011. She is dedicated to increasing efficiency and simplicity of the commercial vehicle industry through Work Truck Solutions. Her passion for the commercial vehicle industry began in 2007 when she became the executive director of, for the National Ford Truck Club and began publishing Ford Pros magazine. Her focus is to serve her customers, improve their lives, and improve their lives. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk about the industry that I love. Well, and I'm really excited too, because, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I'm always more, I'm always excited to, you know, meet with women founders and CEOs, right? Um, you know, and, and you being in a, you know, what would be thought of as a traditionally, you know, male dominant, do, dominated world. Um, but then again, what is it? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is, this is true. And, and, and that would get us off track to a whole different situation. It would. It would. <laughs> so let's just not go there. Um, so tell me, I'd like to start with your journey and, and, you know, into founding work truck solutions. You know, you were, you were, uh, for 19 years, the president and CEO of multi-image network. Tell us, tell us, start there and, and come forward to how you ended up where you are currently. So I'm what's called a serial entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, basically that some people look at that uh, as kind of a, an interesting career decision, but to me, it's almost like a disease, right? You can't stop yourself from starting companies. Right. So I've had multiple companies started with a small, small companies and uh, decided that it was that, that st starting a software company would allow me to grow it and have the experience of having a a national company, and that is really what happened uh, with uh, Multi Image Network. Uh, it was a uh, uh, I was one of the few people in Northern California at the time that was looking at technology specifically in the video and computer space, right? In fact, uh, my first company was built around software that leveraged a brand new technology. You could digitize a photo and store it on a hard drive. So you know how long ago that was, right? And, um, and so I built a, what's called a video, I called it a video publishing system that allowed cable television operators to produce still frame programming that could be local because it was so expensive to do video videography mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and this was, so the next step from publishing print, you could publish 
local information and, and, and classifieds and things like that. And so really I was in that industry for about 19 years, the cable television industry. Um, when I started, there were 10,000 cable companies. And when I left, there were 10. So it was, you know, a, an interesting journey. The, it was a, a lesson in culture and how culture affects from the, you know, the industry itself into the, into the company in which you're, you're, you're living, so to speak. And when I came out of that industry, I re recognized how negative that culture had been because it was all about squeezing out a penny and a nickel and a dime and a dollar and for a nickel i'll stab you in the back and so i loved the technology part i i love i'm not a technology geek i'm more of a a practical person a pragma, pragmatist a solutionist i love that technology can help us have better lives and so to me, it was fun to, to build the, the software around how do you make it easy? How do, you, how do you make it the highest quality? How do you help people, you know, see things that maybe they wouldn't otherwise be exposed to? How do you do it in, you know, what's the perfect timing? Is it, does mm -hmm. it have to be seven seconds or 15 seconds? And how many words can you have on a screen? And things like that, that were very early in, in, in that kind of thinking. And so I really enjoyed that. But there were things about running the company that I didn't do correctly. I had no background in that. I had no education in that. And so um, I thought, okay, good, I'm done. I've had my international business experience and I started teaching uh, and consulting. I, I did some consulting work and I started teaching marketing and uh, entrepreneurship and business at Chico State. And, and that was a wonderful experience as well. And I, you know, I went back and got my MBA, which was hilarious because I had to sit in the front so I could see and hear, um, you know, younger people in the, in the class. But every now and then I would be, I'd be forced to say, oh my God, that's why that happened. Um, <laughs> you know, and so it was, it was good. And I felt positive that I could be helping people not make the same mistakes that I had made and, and uh, students you know, that really wanted to um, build careers and understand how to, how to make life decisions, you know? So advice around, you know, look at the culture of the company, look at the culture of the industry. That was something that I learned. You, you want to be somewhere where you're going to be appreciated. You want to be somewhere where you're going to feel good about what you're doing, right? That's more important than the money. That's more important than, you know, how, you know, I mean, each person has their own motivations, but that's a that's a really good foundational one, right? And so it was um, in 2007 that I was introduced to uh, a man who was going to launch this national Ford truck club by a mm -hmm. friend of mine that was mm -hmm. publishing. Um, uh, he was a printer, and so he was going to publish the the magazine. And he said, this guy, you know, he's a wonderful man and he, it would be nice if he could have some help with the business, the running of the business, but especially he's never published a magazine before. And you've done a lot of that kind of stuff because clearly my first stuff was print. Right. And I said, no. <laughs> and then he said, please, please. And I said, well, I'll talk to him, but I'm not going to sell advertising. I'm just not going to do that. 
And I met Joe and he was uh, the nicest person. He really is a wonderful man. He, I'll just give you an example of how wonderful he is. He, uh, for many years, uh, he will go and once a year buy or get donated a, 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 a small bus and he'll get it upfitted with, um, that's the term for making the adjustments to make it a, uh, you know, handicap ready. He'll put medical supplies and equipment in it and he'll uh-huh. drive it to Central America and donate it to a right footage. So really interesting. You know, it's a, a wonderful person, but needed that help. And so that's how I became uh, the executive director of the National Ford Truck Club and and the and the executive uh, publisher of the magazine Ford Pros Magazine for which you for still a long are time and mm-hmm. I basically was introduced to this new group this new industry and when I started talking to the people in the industry I fell in love with it hardworking salt of the earth backbone of the U S economy honest and honorable would tell you anything and about 180 degrees uh from what i came out of when at the end of the cable industry and so i you know i i felt like anything that i was doing there was going to help right so that was the the beginning of the journey and then i started learning more about the challenges so um i'm I don't want to assume, Carol, but uh, do you know what a VIN is? Yes, I of course I know what a VIN is, but you know we can we can it's your vehicle identification number. That's right. right. Many people yeah. have heard that term before, right? But what's unique about it is that it it's applied to a vehicle, right? Um, right when it's manufactured by Ford or GM or, or whomever, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But in the world of commercial vehicles, that vehicle isn't finished. Because, think about it. I know you're you, you're you're around ranches and stuff like that. I know you've seen a flatbed before. I know Many. probably. Yeah, I know. Maybe you know. I know you know what a dump truck is. I know that you've seen. Well, guess what? Those are not manufactured by Ford, GM, and and you know Ram and stuff like that. Right. Only the front end is manufactured by then, and then the 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 back is empty. I'll be darned. I had no idea. And there's this whole industry around upfitting, that's the term, finishing that vehicle to be what it needs to be right. for that use case, right? And um, and that's what this commercial vehicle space is. That's what Joe Hughes was selling when he decided to start this association to help other people selling to businesses to help them get better at what they were doing, to help them understand their customers better, to share information with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, he wanted to use the new internet to be able to do that. And so, um, like I said, it was just this whole new group of people that where they're, you know, last um, in 2020, we all were suddenly, um, it was suddenly pointed out to us that essential businesses were pretty important, Mm -hmm. right? They keep rolling no matter what happens. Right, they're intrinsic to our safety and our success, mm-hmm. uh, our our comfort, our food, everything. And every single one of those businesses uses some kind of a commercial vehicle that has been uniquely 
built for what they need to do. And, and that was the space that I came into and it just fascinated me. And, and so I learned, um, I learned about the, the companies that do the upfits. They're called, you know, they're man, there's manufacturers that create these. And then there's the actual action of putting them together and other companies do that. And so it was all very interesting. And I was writing a lot of articles and we were, you know, it was really building um, knowledge and information online. And then suddenly one day Joe came to me and he said, you know, it's, uh, it was 2009. So it was bad economic year anyway. Right. right? right. But he mm -hmm. said, um, if a plumber needs a plumber's truck, I'm not going to have one right then. And I go, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, we can't just build them without knowing when they're going to come. And I said, yeah, it's weird. I'm teaching marketing. And one of the key precepts of marketing is that you're supposed to know when your customers are going to be shopping. And he said, well, yeah, we're not going to have one. They're too expensive to build. And then I have to start calling people. I have to call another dealer if I get a plumber. And so um, I said, Joe, let me help you. Um, I know how to do Boolean search. Let me go figure out how to search for a plumber's truck and I'll come back and I'll teach you. And two months later, I came back and said, I don't understand why I can't go online and search. And that's what started me peeling the onion of what the problem was, which was this VIN exists, but nobody keeps track of what that vehicle becomes. Oh, that's so interesting. And it's so huge. I mean, at the time, it was a $130 billion industry in manufacturing new commercial right. vehicles. Now it's 170. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's like the foundation of, of the American way too, you know? And it's like, how could that be that nobody could know? And, and by the way, back to the marketing thing, if, if you don't know the product that you're selling, you don't know the customer either. Right. Because, and so it was kind of that, that point that I got to that was like, nobody knows who's buying what or what it is that I said, man, maybe this is the reason why to start another company. And I, you know, I, I'm, I seriously know what it takes to start a company. I've had, you know, six of them. Right. And so I went to my husband who, by the way, was, he partnered with me and on all of my pre all our all our, our previous companies. Mm -hmm. He's you know the technical person, the the you know the 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 numbers person of of accounting. I'm good at math, but he's good at keeping track of the money. And uh, he said, you know, I'm happy being retired, but if you want to do this, I'll support you emotionally. Um, you know, and I said, I think I want to do it. I think I want to go down the path and see. You know, but I promise I won't. Uh, refinance the house yet again. <laughs> so this is all really about that, you know, when, when they build this custom vehicle, right. To, yes. to solve this problem, the VIN number is not attached to it. So how have you solved that? No, the VIN is attached to it, but nobody, but the data of the VIN is kept by, you know, uh, the DMVs, right. Of the world. Mm -hmm. And they, no one changes that database to say what that vehicle then got added to it. Right. And that, that's what I mean. I mean, the VIN's attached uh -huh. to it, but it's not attached to, this is a school bus. Nope. Not at or all. Or this is a plumber's truck. 
Yep. Why is that important? So first of all, if you don't have that data, you can't search for it. You don't know. So, you know, I mean, that was just the big, the big thing, but then, Mm -hmm. you know, there's other things it's like, um, you know, uh, not having that data affects the entire industry and, and not having a system Mm -hmm. of tracking it of these vehicles through that, uh, which would lead to having that information. It means the entire industry is being run like back in the, you know, the sixties where Mm -hmm. there's no, there's no data exchange about where things are or who's doing what to whom or what stage it's in, or Mm -hmm. is it even going to be available or anything? Okay. And so, um, we, that's what, So basically my question to myself was, well, where is that data available, right? Where can, where can I consistently find what that vehicle that was built really is? Mm -hmm. And the only place that it was consistently was at the dealership just before it was sold to the SMB, to the small business. Right. That, that then modified it. Yeah. And so that's what, we designed, we built a plugin that would go into a dealer's website that would help them show their customers. Mm. They could actually search by dump truck or by, you know, flatbed or Mm -hmm. service body or whatever, and see the details of what that particular configuration was. Right. And, um, that, so that was the first thing that we built and built it for dealers and plugged into dealers websites and, uh, helped them be, you know, able to serve their commercial business customers. That's really fantastic. What, what, when you started the business in 2011, what was the competitive nature of that business? Um, it's funny because there was no, I, I thought with such a big market that there had to be people trying to solve this problem. Um, and I, I actually spent almost two years go, trying to find who they were and right. trying to figure out. And I, I found a couple of times when people had, you know, there was a, for example, there was a group of, of, of dealers and upfitters that, that shared Excel spreadsheets every weekend. <laughs> You know, that, and, and, and that was, of course, that, that was unsustainable for people. I mean, they could only do that for so long. And then it, it became so much work to do that. And I found a company that had tried to start something, but they had tried to get all the, a certain group of people to, to fund them and support them with their data. And they couldn't get enough interest of, from mm-hmm. the OEMs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, the bottom line was it's complicated and it's hard work. It's hard work. We have to get information about each individual vehicle and each bit of each, you know, uh, in in individual vehicle is a little bit different. Typically, there are there are consistencies. There's percentages of, of overlaps, but it's just complicated. And so I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to come up with a way that that should give start giving us more information, make a commitment to to d- delivering value each step of the way. Like if, if, if we go to a dealer, we're going to show them how this helps them. That's and then we'll charge them for it. But we'll show them how it helps them first before we charge them, because this industry is running like it's in the 60s and it's really hard to get people to adopt things. The average age 
of the commercial salesperson at that time was 65. Wow. In 2012. And so technology of any kind was a challenge. It, right, it was it was threatening. It was, you know, and then people in the industry, businesses were worried about technology potentially disintermediating them. Like right, the distributors yeah. were, you know, I get that. So it was a lot around, you know, just helping people understand that that's not, that wasn't what we were trying to do. What we were trying to do is help everybody and help them, you know, raise the level of, of, of efficiency, raise the level of visibility, you know, really just help. And, and, and I have to tell you, Carol, I, I, it's funny because you started off with women, you know, a woman-run company, and, and it is a challenge. I mean, when I tried to raise money uh, for our A-series, I went to Silicon Valley, right? Right. First of all, work trucks weren't very sexy, I, you know, and they were very much into apps back in 2014. Yeah. 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 And number two, I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. And just a little piece of facts, even to this day, only 2% of all venture funding goes to women-run companies, yeah, right? I know. So I got lucky. I found a group called Golden Seeds. Uh, they're a uh, organization of angels. They have chapters and they have a fund in New York. And I, they only invest in women-run companies. They're phenomenal. Um, but I guess the point that I was trying to make is that although that was a negative, I do believe that in thinking through how to build trust and collaboration in this industry, I believe being a female did help because I was less threatening. I was less, you know, had to go through that first conversation that every guy has with each other where, you know, there's some kind of positioning, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're all fluffing so, up their feathers. you know, I have to admit, I am a three-quarter glass full person. So, yeah. you know, I'm always looking for something that I can say, well, that was good about that. Right. You know, I, I'm glad you brought up, I, I, I'm, I was getting ready to ask you um, what the nature was, if, you know, you were bootstrapped or, or if you'd taken, uh, taken institutional capital. But you said you didn't take that capital till 2014. Right. So I'm happy to do a little short um, mini lecture on how um, entrepreneurs typically grow their companies. Right. I mean, it's formulaic. You start with either refinancing your house or using <laughs> money that you have to exactly. do Depends a little bit. Right? Yeah. Then you have a seed round, which I did in 2012, and that's family and friends and people right. that know you and trust you. And then, yes, in 2014, we did a seed, uh, an A series. And that was because, you know, we, at that point we had, we launched the end of 2012. Um, and we had, by the time we closed, we had between 50 and 70 dealers that were on board paying us. And then uh, we did a B in uh, 2017 to help us grow more. Right. And, um, and we actually did an inside round in 2019 because we were, we had, as a, as a, the investors and the board had all agreed that we wanted to build a marketplace, right. Uh, which is comvoy, C-O-M-V-O-Y.com, okay. which is a way to help the buyers find what they're looking for right. nationally. That's fantastic. 
So what, what's the total amount of funding you've taken? Um, I believe it's public. It's around 13 million. Around 13 million. Okay. Right. Great. Um, and you now have 85 employees. Tell me about, uh, how you grew to 85 because, you know, and when, and when most of your growth was, I'm wondering if it was during your B round. You know, um, that's a great question. I think our growth has been, um, you know, pretty, pretty much like this early, right? When, you know, mm-hmm. we were just, um, so I would say by the time we got to the B, we were probably at 50 or 60 employees. Okay. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're steady hard workers, right? And we keep pushing our, our culture is uh, uh, really, and by the way, I probably should have mentioned when I decided to start the company, because it was a decision, right? I'm, this is something I think is big. I think we can, I think I understand it. And I think I can help a, a place right. that I really love, but it's a big decision. And I said, you know, I really have to personally say, what have I learned? Cause I've made so many mistakes in the past. I have to have learned at least three things, right? So I'm going to share them with you today. Um, I'm, one of them is a little bit crude, but I'm going to, I hope I can say this. No assholes. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. We, we're, we're, you know, we're an over 18 crowd. So <laughs> rule number one, you know, find people that you, that you, you, you typically, if you're smart and, you know, mature, you like people that you trust, right. And that you want to work with and, and you want to work with people that you like. And so that was my rule number one. Rule number three was really about that, what we've already talked about, about really wanting to make sure that we were building a culture that I could be proud of yes. for the, the team, mm-hmm. that it would be transparent, it would be collaborative, it would be appreciative, mm-hmm. that our, that we would all be hardworking, um, uh, but again, we'd be appreciative, and that our whole culture would be around iteration mm-hmm. and and you know, I, I was very, I, I'm so thrilled because early software companies, of course, you were building software that went on a disc and we had to build the hardware even. And so it was really hard and clunky and, and being in the cloud now is phenomenal. Right. Plus I have a phenomenal development team. I mean, they're amazing. And so it's, it's so, it's so we can build things and release them and we can help people at a pace that is reactive to what's happening in the ecosystem around us. And, and so we do that as a company proactively. And then um, number two was really around me learning that, you know, I, I, I said I delegated, mm-hmm. I, I liked delegating, but honestly I had to get over delegating and then expecting people to do it my way. And so I made a commitment to hire people smarter than me and let them do it their way. Right. And so that's really great. So I think that, you know, probably we were at around 50, 60 when we did the B round. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, again, I, I, I learned my lesson, I guess I've got really smart people, you know, and we're very collaborative and we we're, we're very diverse thinkers also that I think that would probably be, I, I really believe in, in the true meaning of diversity, which is, you know, different opinions coming from different places from different. Yeah. There's all these demographics that make up where right. people come from. 
But the truly important thing is the different ideas and the different thoughts. That's what is really important for a company. And so I think, you know, we've been very successful in building the culture and building a company that uh, is that gets a lot more done than the, than the average company. That's wonderful. So of the 85 employees you have now, what percentage are women of that? Um, about half, Good. somewhere around there. I My CFO is a woman. I have um, a senior sale, our director of sales is, is female. And mm-hmm. we have quite, a, we have half of our sales team is female. Um, we have a couple of women in dev and we support, uh, uh, what's the, uh, 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 girls who code, because mm-hmm. I would really right. love to yes. see more women in the, uh, in the technical, right. in the software engineering world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of our, one of our product managers is female and, um, a cu- couple of other people. And, um, yeah, we have our, uh, our dealer success coaches that talk that, you know, use our, our, our data and help our customers. A lot of, uh, most, most of them are actually women. Um, yeah, we're, we're very focused on uh, being, having the right person in the right seat, not right. using uh, artificial reasons for that. Well, and that's, that's really important. I'm glad you mentioned that. So have you, what, what what's the number of people on your executive team? Um, we have, um, five, six people on the executive team. Plus uh, and we have one external um, consultant. We actually have two external okay. participating consultants. Like they come to meetings and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. And and that's, that's six plus you or including you? Including me. Okay. And of those six, is, is your CFO the only other female on that executive team? That is correct. So I'm curious, um, have, had you, do you have trouble finding... Did you look for women to fill some of these other roles and just not, you know, they well, just weren't you, available? You heard me say the, the right seat. You know, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. And what's I don't going think you should right hire now. a woman over a man if she's not qualified, right? I'm That's not saying right. that at all. I want to make that so very clear. I am constantly looking for proactively for uh, for females that might be appropriate. Um, I, as you, as I mentioned, we've got investors, you know, mm-hmm. who. Um, I've, I, but it's hard. And, um, we, for example, are, are the, uh, building and host, we host, um, a twice a year conference that's all virtual called commercial vehicle business summit. We started last year and it was highly successful. Mm -hmm. And I spend a lot of time trying to mm-hmm. find females that I can put on panels and that I can put, right. you know, I, uh, that I can have in this industry, right? Because that's part of it. This, the automotive space as the broad industry or transportation and then commercial is a subset of that or a vertical of that. It's actually not sub, it's very big. It's about a trillion and a half uh, when you look at everything that goes around commercial vehicles. Um, but it is challenging. And, you know, I believe that I am helping to build the next generation. I've got a number of women in the company that are in roles that are, 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 are tracking to growth. They're, they're right. deliberately 
mm-hmm. tracking them to mm-hmm. move forward for mm-hmm. um, advanced positions. Mm-hmm. What kind of, what kind of, and, and I, I, I want to be clear, I'm, I'm not here to say don't hire men to anyone <laughs> listening to this. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, I believe in it, women are now over 50% of the population. So one's company in a perfect world should reflect that as well. Right. And, and of course the biggest concern, and, and this is, this is, you know, not uncommon among all the founders that I talk to is, you know, generating the pipeline that you need to grow that. Right. As, as you've talked about, you know, the girls who code getting, you know, getting girls into generating these pipelines when they're kids so that, you know, by the time they're out of school, they're, you know, they're ready to, to join these. I mean, I got to tell you being yeah. in the, the trades, you know, we, we look at the trades all day long and I watched, I was teaching in higher education and I'm like, right. who are these? I don't want to get off on this, but half the students were easily not, shouldn't have been in my classrooms. They should have been off learning a trade around something that they would like to do mm-hmm. and being told that it was an honorable and a good thing for them to exactly. do. And I blame, right. I blame all us parents for, um, you know, we all want better things for our kids, but right. you know, you have to help people be happy in a seat going forward and to have them get a degree in history or, or, you know, social sciences, and then have them like try to figure out how they're going to, what they're going to do, you know? I mean, but I, I, I do see more focus because we need it. I mean, women are becoming welders. Women are becoming truck drivers. Mm-hmm. Women are becoming, um, you know, repair techs and they're very needed. And I think yeah. that those are very, I would, if anybody's listening to this, look at your daughters and, and help them understand that they can do anything, but they should do what they want to do. Exactly. And yeah. I have four granddaughters. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited that they're going to be growing up in a, in a world that uh, if we can help them get over the extremisms and the, you know, the confusions, um, that they should have more opportunity. I know, I know everybody has more opportunity today that was born after me because I was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I was part of the, I don't want to say exactly when I graduated, but right. things were worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not everyone, I, I am definitely a believer of not everyone should go to college. Or they should take a couple years of, of a community college. Okay, if right, they right. Be yeah, get an associate or something. Okay. Not everybody needs a four-year degree. So, That's so right. thanks for clarifying that. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had, a, I had a CEO recently tell me that they're, they've had so much trouble hiring kids out of college because, and these were his words, they cannot string a sentence together. And it's, you know, again, I don't want to get too off track with this because there's a lot more I want to talk to you about and we're running low on time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, my feeling, and that's exactly the point. Well, maybe these kids shouldn't have been in college. He right. said they don't know how to communicate. Yeah. Well, I don't think you learned how to communicate in college. Well, I was very frustrated in college. Uh, I was, um, I was definitely a not a professor, professor, right? right? I was a working person coming in and talking about real life. And I think exactly. that, that, that is a, a thing that's missing. And I know that some colleges do a better job than others, but, uh, but you know, 
parents can help with this too. I mean, you know, I'll tell you, you know, who are the kids that were really on top of it were the kids whose parents had businesses. Yeah. Cause they saw what really happened and, you know, Mm -hmm parent and maybe the maybe the the the, the reasoning yeah. is because parents that just have a regular job and show up to work they've never been exposed to that type of practicality so they don't have an easy way so you know maybe entrepreneurship classes would also be a good thing for people to go through even if it meant I don't want to ever do that <laughs> right yeah. exactly yeah. It, it ain't easy and and I can't no. tell you the number of founders I've talked to who've said to me when I've asked them you know how how they you know, what was, what, what the impetus was to have them get into building their own company, to being an entrepreneur. And often it was because I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right. And it's not, it's not always the case, of course. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur and I did not come from a family of entrepreneurs. Right. right? So it's again about opening up options for mm -hmm. young enough, right? Real life options around it's and 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 okaying those yes because that's kind of what happened is you know everybody got caught up in this if you didn't have a four-year degree you wouldn't be successful you wouldn't be a you know an important real meaningful person and you know i will say that in that one of the things that i believe you know we could talk to all my employees and see if they they hear it and believe me, but I truly believe in our company, we have a very flat uh, culture. And by that, what I mean is a good idea can come from anywhere. And, you know, I, and everybody is important, as important as everybody else, because mm-hmm. it's the whole thing that we do that makes our business mm-hmm. and, and helps our customers what have been your biggest challenges in growing your employee base and what kind of mistakes have you made along the way? Well, I'm, I am, I am foundationally a bad person to manage lots of people because I am, I'm, I'm not naturally patient with people Yeah, and I have to work really hard at that because Mm -hmm. I just work hard and I expect everybody else to do that. Uh, I've gotten better. I've gotten better and I have a really good senior team, you know, that we, what I'm good at is surfacing. um, I'm good at seeing, at seeing how to connect dots and seeing opportunity and, and kind of moving us. And I'm good, you know, I'm really good at that. I'm really good at, at, at business development and partners and all of that. And I'm pretty good at flagging problems before, so they can be solved. Right. Right. And, and so we just had actually a situation where I'm like, this, these were, we evolve all the time. You know, we've been evolving. I mean, you, you evolve because you're a startup, number one. Right. And so you have to get used to, well, things are different now. Things are different now. So mm-hmm. we kind of went to the, guess what? We're going to iterate every day. And then it's just part of our culture, right? So it's a natural thing. And then, um, you know, but, but as we evolve and change departments, actually, we actually change departments. Like we just moved a big chunk of one department into another department, right? And we, you know, we're adding different kinds of people to certain departments because we need to keep changing. And so that creates, that creates challenges and friction, you know, um, which need to be dealt with sooner than later. Because if you let things sit where one, where, where there's, some kind of, well, they did this. No, they did that. You know, no, no, they did that, you know, like that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, that never goes away. It just gets worse. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, I not healthy for one's culture. 
No. And so I try to surface that. And sometimes I'm not really good at that because I get a little emotional about that kind of stuff. And so I just did that this week where I kind of surfaced one thing to somebody. And I realized afterwards that, you know, the way I did it, the way I surfaced it could have been done better. And so I just apologized to her this morning and said, hey, you know, I I could have told you about what was happening over here a little differently. I could have given you the tools and let you go fix it. And all I did was get emotional about it. Sorry. Right. So I can't do anything more than that. But but I will do that because otherwise I'm just the problem. Mm -hmm. right? Well, yeah. And that's that's often the case, especially in leadership. Right. Um, mm -hmm. There's often a lot of do what I say, not what I do. Yeah. And, yep. you know, to have the integrity to say, you know what? I screwed up. I'm sorry. I'm going to do everything I can to not see that happen again. Yeah. No. And you listen, yeah. we're human and, yeah. you know, we should all be, you know, I'm a firm believer in working on ourselves consistently. Mm -hmm. uh, listen, I, I, I fail at that from time to time. I am far from perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that mostly shows up in my personal life, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't see, so, I mean, it's hard for me because I do feel that this was one of the challenges being, you know, married to someone that you, you're in a business with. Yeah. Um, you know, it was hard for me to separate. It was like, it's who I am. Well, that's exactly right. And I, I've said this so many times and, and I say it as often as I can when it comes up in a conversation that, you know, you don't have business problems, you have personal problems that show up in your business. Yeah. And, and, and I think uh, you're right. And it's sort of both, it's like a, you know, there's not a real, for me, a real separation. And of course now we're working from home, which is even uh, making me happier. I'm much happier now um, because this is who I am anyway. You know, I mean, my whole life is spent trying to solve problems and learn and all of that. And so now guess what? I can fit the rest of my life in better. I can do, we, when we went, um, our company, so first of all, when I started the company, I decided to have us be BYOD. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. BYO boss. <laughs> Device. Device. D. Yeah. Got it. So everybody gets to pick. We, we, we fund every two and a half years, we fund, uh, uh, somebody's technology that they want to use, but they get to pick what it is, you know, because people, you know, are Mac people or they're PC people or mm -hmm, they are mm -hmm, tablet mm -hmm. people. I mean, whatever. Right. Whatever yeah. you want that mm -hmm. helps you be you, that's what I want to have. And that was kind of my going into the company. I really wanted to build a company where people could be more authentic for themselves, for their own lives, right? They could live where they wanted to live ultimately. I mean, my dream was that you could live anywhere. So guess what? <laughs> I'm living my dream now. I mean, we went from um, we went from 100% in Northern California and Chico to, you know, as we started growing back to how did you grow people? Specialists were kind of hard to get in the automotive space, right? So we had to start adding some, you know, we had an office in, in Dallas for a, right. a physical office in Dallas for a while. And we had mm -hmm. a couple people in some different locations and we just mm -hmm. worked around it. And then when uh, when COVID hit and we all went home within an hour of our of, of the announcement for mm -hmm. us, right? It was very easy. Mm -hmm. um, we all started, you know, there was adjustment period, but it was also we started really learning that um, we could um, be better if we 
leveraged what we were doing. We could make a better lives for ourselves. We could go walk the dog if we needed to for 10 minutes. Or, you know, my granddaughters come over a couple, three times a week and they know when I'm on a call, they're not here today or I would actually show you, but they come up and they mm -hmm. hug me while I'm on a call. They're just very quiet, you know? And then right. when I get a little break, I get to go say hi to them or mm -hmm. help them with their homework or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's phenomenal. Well, I, I think it's important to be authentic in, in whatever you do, right? And, you know, if there's a, you know, I frequently have a cat, you know, you'll see a tail come across <laughs> a little periscope, <laughs> you know, yep. and that's just, and I've been working from home since, you know, for over 20 years. Yeah, so this is not exactly. new for me. So, you know, people just have to be patient and understand that people have lives. I mean, you know, there, there are people that bring their dogs to their offices, not their offices in their home, their offices at their office. Yeah. And we went through a lot of that and that's kind of harder, right? Because then mm -hmm. you've got a, somebody who's allergic to dogs and then you've got well, somebody who's, right. you know, whatever. And, and so we went up and down on a lot of that. Sure. Stuff. But this mm -hmm. is just, you know, and, and of course now we're focusing on what can we do? We do a lot of activities. We do weekly meetings. We do a lot of things virtually, but how can we get face to face a little bit more now? So, well, and that's what I was going to, I wanted to ask you about that is that, you know, what are you doing? Because, you know, I think that's one of the biggest challenges is, you know, people want to work virtually. And I think that one of the hardest problems is if, if you've got a company that was all hundred percent in person and now they, then they went to hundred percent virtual and people are like, I don't want to go back to the office. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, what's the happy medium and how do you create a, a healthy culture um, where you can still get together? Like, yep. And it, I think it's different for every company. Is it, you know, I mean, getting, you know, getting, if you've got people strewn about the country, you know, do you pay for everybody to come into one location once a quarter and spend two or three days together or a week, Yep. you know, where everybody can really bond, right? You know, um, so, so what is, what does the competition look like now, 11 years later? So have more people looked at you and gone, oh, wow, this is a good idea. I need to do you this. You know, they have, and they've tried and they're, you know, they're, they're, it's complicated and it's hard work and, and it's, um, it's really, it's complicated. And mm -hmm. between a lot of hard work and a lot of complication, mm -hmm. there's been a few companies that have come and tried to figure it out. And But they're typically more on the retail side of the automotive space. And so it didn't really fit their, their thesis. So they exited. And so in the SaaS business, we really don't have, um, you know, I hate saying this competitors because, you know, when you say that out loud, it's hard. I know. I but know. in the, in the marketplace area, there are, there are, uh, what I call a, a classified ad, uh, sites that list things. And I would say we are competitive with them. And, and that's great because we're very different. Even in that mm -hmm. we're all about the structured data. We're all about mm -hmm. getting the customer to the, actual vehicle, the perfect vehicle that they're looking for as quickly as possible and with as little friction. And the other models are really more old school around, we're going to show you a bunch of ads and we're going to show you vehicles that you're probably not interested in, but they're paying us to show you anyway, right? Let's just sling a bunch of spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. Exactly. So you know, it's the polite way to say that. <laughs> um, is there anything that bothers you, bugs you about the industry? You know, isn't that funny? Um, no, I, I really have. Okay. I dealers Yay. are are interesting. They're 
they're like small entrepreneurs, you know, each one's a little different. And then there's some dealer groups and they're interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I really find it to be a great uh, industry. I really do. And I, I strongly recommend that women look at coming into the automotive industry because they are very eager right now to right. give responsibility, to, to train, to help. And it's a, it's going to be changing the, the, there's going to be a paradigm change in the auto industry because the old way of doing things of having massive numbers of vehicles and, and, and trying to do it all on price is going to change to be a more of a relationship B2B environment. And that's a great skill set for, um, you know, that if we are talking about genders that a lot of women are very good at. Well, there's no question. I mean, you know, Again, generalizing here, we tend to be nurturers yes. more than, yes. you know, more than men yeah. tend to be, right? And multitaskers, you know, being right. able to think of complex in mm-hmm. a relationship, what what's what's important, right, on many levels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know a couple more things before we sign off. So um, you talked about how you're, you know, working with, you know, some of the women to move them forward in the company. Are you doing any sort of structured leadership development? employee development to help them get there. And the same thing with your actual leaders. You do, you know, leadership development to help them become better leaders to, and, and to yourself, right? You say, you know, I'm not really good at this. So what are you doing to make yourself better at that? Right? So, um, have you ever heard of strength finders? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a big thing for me. I, I, I read the book, I took the test. Uh, my number one super power is learning. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about what you just talked about, figuring right. out how at our size of a company, at our stage of a company, we can add value to people's learning. And we've had periods of time when we've done classes that, that we had them go to the community college. We've had right. online training. We've had, uh, we do KPIs, we do quarterly, you know, we do bonuses, we do all sorts of things around giving them goals that then they then their supervisor can go and help them build that into a career improvement. Yeah. Okay. Finally, you mentioned uh, your commercial vehicle business summit that's coming up yes. in May. It would, would anybody be listening that would want to go to that? I think so. I mean, if you're curious about this kind of thing that I've been talking about, mm-hmm. it is a, a two-day uh, event. It's probably a total of about four or five hours each day. Okay. We're going to have a really diverse group of people that are from all aspects of this industry talking about the big changes that are happening. What are, what are the dynamics that are happening right now with the, you know, no chips and supply chain. So if you're right. interested yeah. in that kind of stuff, I find, I mean, we're kind of on the cutting edge of that. So how does somebody find out more about that, Catherine? Um, they can go to worktrucksolutions.com. And there, there is a place for the event to uh, register there. Um, they could also, I believe, search for Commercial Vehicle um, Business Summit, and I think that would probably let come up. Yeah, okay. and I don't know if you send out an email, but I'm happy to give you the registration. It's free registration. Yeah, that that's fantastic. Actually, you can uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll organize that afterward, and I'll attach it to the show notes. How's that sound? Oh, perfect. Okay, so you can Great. send that to me uh, offline here. And um, if somebody listening, uh, in addition to that, says, well, this is a really cool company. I think I have a lot to contribute to, to Work Truck Solutions. What would you suggest they do? I think they should send me an email. Okay, and your email is? My first name, 
dot my last name at worktrucksolutions.com. So I'm assuming that the notes will be, my name will be there. Yep. And we will, we can include this in the show notes, but it's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N dot S-C-H-I-F-F-E-R-L-E at worktrucksolutions.com. A long email, but it's worth it's, it. Uh, you know, you got a long name. <laughs> what are you going to do? All right. Uh, that that and the name of your company. My, mine's not so short either. So, you know, what it, it is what it is. Well, thank you, Carol. I really appreciate yeah. it. My pleasure. This is really, really interesting. And like I said, I just, I so delighted when you accepted the invitation to be on the podcast. So thanks so very much. Nice meeting you. And I look forward to, to watching your podcast in the future. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.